Mini episode 1073 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1073. FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you today. We have uh, one of our favorite contributors coming back on to talk football. Good friend Fran Stuckberry from Our Sports Central, and uh, he writes for another a number of other fine publications. Uh, but again, one of his first loves, especially within the world of football, which he loves more than just about uh, anybody I know. Uh, but the XFL, which we're going to be talking about today, because again, he credits this with being sort of a turnaround thing in his career. The first time it came up, as far as some of the opportunities that he got personally and professionally. So when it came back, I know it was very near and dear to his heart. And we are coming off of the XFL introductory press conference, getting into the details about the 2020 launch of the season. So Fran's here today to review that with us. A pleasure, as always, to have him back on. Fran, uh, I know you love talking XFL. It's going to be a pleasure to get into it with you today. Thanks, Rick. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm excited to talk about it. I tell you what, let's let's start with you. Let's talk about that a little bit here, uh, because your story and the way that it's kind of intertwined with all this is, is really kind of fascinating. It's something that you have looked upon as being sort of a personal and professional turning point in your life, getting to cover the XFL the first time around. It's a very interesting story. I mean, here's what happened. I, uh, I decided to cover the XFL. I did it for my, my dog, Sports Center, and all Sports Central. This is what happens. My, uh, uh, a guy named Nation Horn. Uh, at the age of 14, he read every single XFL story I wrote. I did a better job covering the league, going gangbusters with um, Anthony Jeff Brown. He, he, he played for the Orlando Rage, and now he's the head coach of Purdue. Anthony the football operation with Mike Keller. I went gangbusters with it. And then about seven years later, the United Football League got formed, and him and, and, um, him and my, friend, uh, my friend Billy created a fans at UFL Access. I joined the message board. Nation recognizes me and, um, t- and, t- and says he knew me. He, knew, he read every single XFL story I wrote. And that's how we became good friends. And he's, you know, he was the main reason why I decided to move down to Raleigh and you know, North Carolina. And now I'm having a great life down here. Absolutely. And uh, a great hotbed of football for you to be at. I mean, people a lot of times think Tobacco Road and think basketball. And I understand why that's the case. Uh, but think about it. How many places are there in America where you've got a short drive to three major college campuses like you have? Yeah, North Carolina, NC State, and Duke. I mean, they're all. I've been, I've been to all three, and I'm hoping to go to a East Carolina game next year. But, uh, but back on the XFL, I, I mean, I, I like Vince's strategy. I mean, all Vince, all the ups, the big markets. The only question we want to break out. Let's, let's go over to the A markets first for the fans. Sure, Dallas, Houston, LA, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, Washington. Yeah, I mean, they went, they went with big TV markets, huge TV markets. They did indeed. And uh, it's very interesting that Vince is not out front for this league. The commissioner of it, the CEO, the front man, different from last time when Vince was pretty much the front man, very respected football executive Oliver Luck, who, again, I can say as a lifelong member of America's North Coast, 
He's somebody that was a uh, big football star at St. Ignatius back in the day, a nationally recognized program in the Cleveland area. So Oliver Luck, this is his hometown. He is revered here in this town. People uh, remember uh, what he did as a great player. He went to West Virginia, subsequently to quarterback. And again, admittedly best known for being Andrew Luck's father at this point. You're going to have that when your son becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback. But uh, Oliver Luck, a very classy guy, universally respected in the world of football. So Vince, seeing something that could be a weakness, which is, again, particularly you look at the time of the first XFL when it was during the Attitude Era, and the product was at its most lowbrow. The product, as you and I know now, is, is, uh, is PG-rated, but you've still got the lingering taste of, of pro wrestling in some people's mouths when they hear this. you got Oliver Luck out there, and what a great, respectable front man to have for your product. I mean, Oliver, he's a football guy. He's involved with the World League of American Football. He even has a soccer background, being involved with Jesus. The guy's a proven background, proven proven professional. I mean, anyone that's at the press conference sees how passionate he is. They want this to work. It's not good. Some people still, still have the one thing again, one and done, and they're comparing it with the wrestling. It's just, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I think the XL has a little bit of a Howard Stern effect, where I think that's true. I think there's a little bit of that. It's interesting because I, I don't. We, we say the word gimmick, and it sounds inherently negative. But let's let's just call it a hook then, right? For fan interest, the first time around, it was from a macho perspective. Uh, there's going to be the dash for the ball at midfield, similar to what you would see in gym class, and men being men and. That was a time and place before, obviously, you know, the concussion studies and everything came out. Uh, you know, ironically, Christopher Nowinski, for one of uh, McMahon's former wrestlers, on the forefront of the concussion uh, research and, and, and the way that the sports world has evolved since then. This time around, fortunately, it seems like the rules changes that they're putting in place are of more of an excitement kind of nature, as opposed to just sort of the caveman kind of stuff from last time. As far as now, again, there's still no fair catches, but that there's got to be the, the returner getting a distance of five yards of space on a return to return the ball. As you noted to me off air on kickoffs, the team that is kicking the ball off can't run down the field until the ball is caught. So the changes that are uh, being put in this time seem to be more around maximizing the entertainment of the game as opposed to just ramping up the tough guy stuff for no good reason. Also, they plan to have a, a play clock of, of, of 25 to 30 seconds where it's going to be very quick. They're, they're going to have an automatic – one person just spots the ball to help speed the game up. I mean, they're going to have limited commercials. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to speed the game up. They have in the two-and-a-half two under three-hour range, Rick. Sure. And uh, as I'm looking at the list of cities again – uh, good thing if you're having rules like that that you don't have a team in Denver. I couldn't imagine trying to do that at altitude uh, with the 25 to 30 seconds between uh, the plays. But uh, it, it's really, uh, again, a very interesting approach that they are taking to the launch of this thing. All the more so uh, when you consider Charlie Ebersol to whatever degree beating them to the punch. Uh, some might say uh, even stealing the idea as far as his launch of an alternative league in 2019, one that has a direct tie uh, to the NFL. So it's extraordinarily intriguing in that way as far as the XFL launching, but not in a vacuum, doing so in competition with another league out there for the same players. Yeah, the Alliance of American Football that won into 
six non-NFL markets. They decided to, you know, and the XFL would have gone probably into Orlando or San Antonio, but, you know, a, the Lions American Football beat, beat them to it. One interesting thing, Rick, uh, yesterday I, I posted on, on a website, apparently when people were doing XFL Google searches, AAF decided to buy a Google Ads, you know, to get to piggyback that, which is a smart move. But it shows that it shows that the AEF's a little more concerned about the XFL than, than vice versa. Yeah, very much so, uh, because, again, they don't come to this with the existing brand name that the XFL has. And, again, we know that that cuts both ways, positively and negatively, in terms of when you think of the XFL the first time around. But they do have that name recognition. It, it's really uh, fascinating to me on a personal level when you look at this, the, the decades-long close friendship of Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon uh, going back to the 80s and their association, their successful co-productions and wrestling, Saturday night's main event, etc., etc., everything that they've been through together, and that Charlie Ebersol, more or less, after putting together the 30 for 30 documentary on the XFL, swipes the idea, it, it appears, it appears anyways, right out from underneath Vince McMahon's nose, so uh, I, I'm guessing the Ebersols and the McMahons may not be exchanging Christmas cards this year. I, th- I think I, th- I think it's just best. I mean, neither league is going to discuss either league. That's just. The, I mean, it was more fun the press conference and Luck said, you know, more the more football the better. But it's going to be very interesting to see to see how it all plays out. But the thing is, it's quick. If the AEF has a good season, that doesn't help the XFL. If the AEF has a bad season in 2019. That doesn't help the XFL either. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, and uh, I I think by and large the XFL is focused on doing its own thing as far as proceeding here. Uh, again, putting together rosters, that's going to be interesting. You could see some AAF players from 2019 ending up in the XFL in 2020. That could very well be the case. I'd be surprised if that didn't happen to a decent degree uh, as far as how that goes. Of course, TV rights. The AAF, as a league that is trying to position itself overtly as a developmental league for the NFL, it's been a little bit easier for them locking down, uh, I think, the CBS Sports Network and maybe even CBS, I think, for some of their games Rumors about NBC getting back involved with the XFL as they were last time around, but nothing set yet. Both leagues look like they're going to be heavily involved in streaming, which, again, every league has to take into account to varying degrees today in terms of how we consume our sports. Well, right now, the AFs can have their, um, their opening game on CBS and their championship in Vegas on CBS. And they're going to have a weekly game on CBS Plus streaming on the app. The XFL, they might have multiple TV partners which is possible because of the big TV markets that, you know, has a big interest in the TV and cable networks. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that uh, you had noted additionally here as far as uh, the economics of the league here in your great article on OurSportsCentral.com, which I would uh, advise everybody to go check out, was uh, Oliver Luck talking about uh, the concept of a family four-pack and, and deciding to try to, again, play to their strengths as opposed to their weaknesses. If you try to emphasize the players on the field, you're never going to out-NFL the NFL. That's a lesson they didn't seem to learn last time around. They've clearly learned it this time. But playing to your strengths, affordability relative to the NFL, out of necessity, affordability is going to be a strength. So they seem like they're really playing to it with the concept of the family four-pack. Well, the family four-pack, you know, that that one next on press conference, you can have four tickets. Four hot dogs, four sodas, or four popcorns for around a hundred dollars. That's perfect for Family Four. In the NFL, Family Four might be five, six, seven hundred dollars to go to a game. 
That's right. Yeah, the costs are nowhere near even uh, 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 similar when you're looking at uh, the two of them. So again, the XFL trying to uh, play to one of their great strengths in terms of uh, exposing families to football in a way that is certainly a lot more affordable. So uh, again, a very interesting launch of the XFL from their press conference now. You have eight different teams that are getting ready for the 2020 season. Uh, this past year has just been one of sort of speculation of what form the XFL is going to take. And uh, now we start to get a little bit more meat on the bones in 2019, a year of preparation before they get into 2020. That's another thing the XFL did differently, was taking a year in between uh, to, to try to launch here. They had said in early 2018 we're going to have a league, but not in 2019 and 2020. So... Next year's the year of full preparation for the eight franchises, for the league office as a whole. Uh, any additional thoughts from you, Fran, on uh, the launch of the XFL and where it's heading? Well, I think it's really a right to have a year to get organized. They have a year to sell tickets. They have a year to organize. Get everything perfect, perfectly done, the rules, testing, fan feedback. They have a year to, to ramp up this product and make it a quality product. People just are just going to think that they're getting one and done. I mean, they... They, I think they feel at least a three-year commitment just to make it work. This one, and Albert Luck and everybody else wants this league to work. And another thing is, you know, the patient first season, they budgeted, you know, um, having, you know, um, um, for 20, they have an average tens of 20,000 fans per team. But, I mean, they think they can do better than that. And I think they can in some of those markets. I think, you know, St. Louis that doesn't have an NFL team, they can do better than that. Dallas and Houston could be could be an interesting rivalry. New York and Washington could be an interesting rivalry. The only questionable mark is a little bit of L.A. We'll have to see. You know, I think the, I think the fans in L.A. will embrace it because the Rams are going to cost are going to cost a fortune, and now that and that new stadium is going to cost them a fortune. But they can. The thing is, Rick, when you go to a game in person, it's so much different than watching on TV. And the XFL is going to give fans the opportunity who can't afford to go to NFL games live in person. I've been to three NCC games this past year, and it's a big difference seeing it in person than compared to watching on TV. It certainly is, and uh, that's going to be an experience that is going to be, as we say, uh, for the modern sports product at least, if you grade it on that curve, very affordable for sports fans in the eight cities. And again, those eight cities being, uh, as we had said previously, you've got Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington, D.C., uh, the latter of which, uh, that's going to be at Audi Field, uh, which is the newest venue out of any of them in the league, as you noted in your article, Fran, of course. That's where D.C. United plays uh, in the MLS. So the, you've got a variety of different types of stadiums uh, being used here as well, uh, including the abandoned Dome at America's Center, which has not hosted professional football since the Rams moved out of St. Louis at the end of the 2015 season. So we will have to see how everything goes here. Uh, again, 2019, a year of preparation. Probably not going to be much big news on the XFL front in 2019, but as we go along, obviously you are our go-to guy for all things XFL, and we'll be talking about this subsequently as we do other things predominantly in the world of football with you, Fran Stuckberry. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Rick. And uh, um, XFL fans, look forward to January when they, when they announce the nicknames and they start getting, uh, getting the head coaches in place. There you go. That's the next big milestone to come. Both of those things there, we'll be tracking that. 
Thank you, Fran, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode Number 1073. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, All Clear Channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN. ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 